Sunday. Valentine's. Valentine. Yeah, Valentine. That's right. We mark this as Valentine's Day. Saint Valentine. There were a number of different guys that were called Saint Valentine. We won't go into that. But you know, Valentine's Day was first celebrated as a Christian holiday. It was transformed from a uh, pagan holiday in 496 A.D. Started out as pagan, became Christian, now it's gone back to the pagan. Pretty much, you know, most of what you see about Valentine's Day has nothing to do with Christ. Celebration, I guess, has returned to its roots. But today I want us to look at five points regarding the power of of love. The power of love. We're going to look at what Jesus said about the power of love. We're going to look and see that our ability to love hangs on the power of love. That our salvation brings the power of love to life in us. The power of love enables us to love one another and the resurrection of the faithful was made possible by the power of love. I trust that each of us will leave here energized by the Word of God. That we'll be motivated to love God completely and to love others as ourselves. Before we go into His Word, I want us to pray. Father, You alone deserve our worship. Oh, we didn't turn on the... They did. Thank you. Lord, you require us to worship you and you alone. And so, Father, I ask that you would guide us in our worship today. Help us to have a full awareness of the need to worship you alone in spirit and in truth. God, open our ears to hear and our eyes to see. Block any distractions. Help each of us to receive what it is that you prepared for us from your word. And it's in Christ's name I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're going to look in God's word into the 22nd chapter of Matthew. Matthew chapter 22. And you'll find that on page 1529 in your... Bibles there in your seats if you'd like to follow along. Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to look at verses 36 to 40, I believe. Matthew 22. Verses 36. You know what? I'm going to start back at uh, 34. We don't have that on the screen. Let's hear what God's Word has to say and speak to us today. But when the Pharisees, these were religious people, highly religious, heard that He had silenced the Sadducees, they were the ones that didn't believe in the resurrection, and that's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> a little jesting. I don't usually do that. They gathered together. The Pharisees heard that they had silenced, that he had silenced the Sadducees, and they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. He said, Teacher, 
which is the greatest, excuse me, which is the great command in the law? And our Lord said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And another record of this uh, account tells us that he also said, with all your strength. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I ask that God would add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He gave there the ultimate statement about the power of love. We may not see it that way at first, but this is what he was saying. Love the Lord your God completely and love your neighbor as yourself. And so you would not do to yourself anything would harm yourself. Don't do anything to harm your neighbor. He's calling for the absolute worship of only Almighty God. None other. None other do we bow our knee to. None other do we worship. None other. The scene happened, as we read there, right after he had silenced the Pharisees and these or the Sadducees, and the Pharisees were like, oh, well, we've got to create. Let's get together, guys. Come on, we need to talk about this character. Nobody silences them. Because they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. Our Lord had silenced them. And so when he, they came together, this one who was an expert in Moses' teachings tried to test him. And they were always trying to test him. Try to throw him off balance, asking him questions that were not written in the law. And so, he said, which is the great commandment of the law? And I, as I was preparing the notes here, I thought, well, what was his reply? What did he say? Did he pick one of the top ten? Thou shalt not. Thou shalt worship the, your God only. No, what he did was he summarized them. Two commands. One was all about God. That's the first four commandments, I believe. And the other six are about people. And he says, love God completely. Love your neighbor as yourself. That sums up everything. In fact, on these two commandments, hang. It's a key word. Hang all of the commandments. And I think that twisted their minds. I think that just twisted them up in nuts. I don't think they figured it out. Like he hit them with a ton of bricks right there. Everything that they studied, everything they believed, hung on love. It's written, he said, you search the scriptures, and this is in John chapter 5. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Now wait a minute, he just told them that all of the law and the prophets, all of the scriptures that they had up until that point in time... We're hanging on love. And then he also said at another time, he's testified me. Do we see how relevant that is? Because he is the embodiment of love. That's the connection. 
All of the scriptures testify of Christ and all of the scriptures hang on love. He's the embodiment of God. He's the embodiment of the power of love. Christ in us is the power of love in us. And it's not that kind of love that, you know, kids pass out the little things like I got a couple today. A little, you know, happy Valentine's Day from Connor. Thank you, Connor. He's out here today. I got another one too from Douglas. Yeah. Have a blast. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Our ability to love hangs on the power of love in us. And why? Why did he say that all the law of the prophets hang on love? Why not say it was founded or established or dependent upon? He said, hang on. So I looked up the word hang. What does it mean? Where is it found in Scripture? The root word is used six other times in the New Testament. Six other times. So that gives you a pretty good idea of what it's saying, all right? Once it's used regarding a millstone being hanged around the neck of a false teacher. It's better that they have a millstone around their neck and be cast into the sea than to lead somebody astray. That's what the Scripture says. That's what God's Word tells us about false teachers. They'd have something hung on their neck that was so heavy that it would take them to the bottom of the sea. And those false teachers are the ones who trip up believers and lead them into sin or apostasy. Lead them against the Word of God, away from the Word of God. Maybe even using the Word of God to trick them. Because, you know, we know that the false teachers, the false Christs, you know, the false Christs are false anointed ones. Did you know that? That's what the word Christ means, anointed one. And he warns us against false anointed ones. He warns us against false teachers. He warns us against false prophets. Repeatedly, God's word warns us against these people. Because they're not led by God. And he says that the uh, millstone, it would be better for them to have a millstone hanging around their neck and then cast into the sea than the problems they're going to get as a result of teaching falsely. That's pretty serious. And other times it's used regarding the man who was crucified next to our Lord. He was hanged on that cross next to the Lord. And it's also used in the story of the venomous snake that bit Paul's hand and it was hanging onto his hand and he shook it off into the fire. And it's used three times regarding Christ hanging on the wooden cross. All of the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. Love God completely and love your neighbor as yourself. And every use of the root word refers to someone or something literally hanging on something or on someone. The power of love is the essence of the message of Christ. And I don't think it's an accident that he chose that statement and worded it the way that he did. He was horribly beaten. He was whipped. He was tormented. His flesh was torn off of him. 
He was tortured and he was hung on a cross for us. There's symbolism in there in many different respects. But he took all the law of Moses. He took all of those commandments and they were hung on the cross with him by the power of love. Every use tells us something. What did his sacrifice reveal to the people of the earth? It's written in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8 and also 4.16 that God is love. God is love. He's the fullness of love. And when God comes to dwell within His people, we are filled with love. And whenever we experience people who claim to be filled with God, but they're not filled with love, we can see that the fruit they're bearing is showing us they are not of God. I, I want to let you all know something. I wrote these notes in 2009. Okay? I delivered this message once before. This isn't about a current situation, although there are some current situations that fit into it. The body of Christ is fractured. The body of Christ is unable to come together in the power of love. And that's why many of you are here. Because you found that you couldn't worship in the building that you were used to worshiping in. For various reasons. And some of them were because the doors were locked. I'm pleased that we chose to follow the word of God and not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen. Amen. The power of love is why he sacrificed his life. God so loved the world, it's written in John, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the power of love. Amen. God, who is love, loved the world so much, this world, and that means the people, not the ball, for the flat earthers to flat. He loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son. And it's written in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the payment. It means a lot more than that. I'm not going to go into a big long teaching on propitiation. Suffice it to say, he paid the price that we could not pay. We love him. It's written in verse 19, chapter 4, 1 John, because he first loved us. And that is the power of love. He loved us. And therefore, he made it possible for us to love him. Christ makes the power of love alive in all of us. In John chapter 15 and verse 13, it's written, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. 
the sacrifice of Christ. Indeed, the power of love demonstrated in his sacrifice washed us from our sins. That's written in Revelation chapter 1 to verse 5. It's his sacrifice that cleansed us. And you see, that is an essence in worship. We are sacrificing our praises to God. We are sacrificing our time to God. We are sacrificing our very hearts to God. We bow down in worship to God, and that is a sacrifice which is an act of worship. And this sacrifice that he gave was an act of worship to the Father. The power of love. It is written, it's Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. The power of love intercedes for us on behalf of us, all of us. He intercedes. They're mine, Father. He steps in. In Ephesians chapter 2, we hear this. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Amen. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The power of love made us alive in Christ. Amen. You once were dead, but now you're alive. Thank you. you know, we sing, Love lifted me, love lifted me. When what? Nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Amen. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. We're more than conquerors, it's written in Romans 8.37. More than conquerors through Him who loved us. More. Not just conquerors. We did a message on this a few weeks ago, maybe a month or two. The power of love enables us to overcome tribulation or distress or persecution. Romans 8.38 and 39 tell us. We are enabled to overcome tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. That's what His Word says. It's written there. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. The power of love enables us to love one another. In John chapter 13, it's written, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now, would He command us to do something that we couldn't do? Anybody. He's not going to tell us to do something that we can't do. He tells us to love one another because He enables us to do so. He empowers us to do so. He makes it possible for us to love one another. And when we experience, <clears throat> excuse me, in the body of Christ, when we experience the lack of love, it's not God. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And that's how I back up the statement that I made. If you see a lack of love, 
You know they're not his disciples. There's only two camps, okay? You got the heavenly camp and you got the devil's camp. And if they're not of the heavenly camp, where are they from? The devil. They're better than the body of Christ. If they claim to be followers, there are many who come in as wolves in sheep's clothing. And it's the shepherd's job to protect the flock. Thank you. Amen. Very often it's a difficult task. Very often it's a, it's a very difficult task. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, we hear this. It instructs us to, to serve one another through love. It's written in 1 Thessalonians 4 9 that believers are taught by God to love one another. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, tells us to love one another fervently with a pure heart. Do you know if God's word says something and he instructs me to instruct you, if I didn't do what he instructed me to do, that that is the unloving response. Y'all yes. get that? Yes. If he points out his word that I need to share something with you, and if I didn't share that with you, that would be unloving. That would be the opposite of love. Right. And since I love the congregation that meets in this building. I love each and every one of you individually and collectively. And since I love you, I must, I absolutely must share His Word with you. Amen. This is why the messages, this is why the messages are filled with His Word. Because I could say anything. I could say anything at all. But if I bring it from the holy, living Word of Almighty God, you know that it's His Word. Amen. It's not my Word. I didn't make it up. I didn't dream it up. Okay? I haven't got a spirit of divination that gives me something that doesn't belong from God. I share with you the true Word of Almighty God. And this is the most loving thing that I can do for all of you and for myself because Ezekiel... Who, call, who was called by God, God said, he called him a watchman. He said, I'm going to give you something, you've got to deliver it, and if you don't, I'm going to hold the blood of those people that you didn't deliver it to on your hands. And I take that seriously. And these passages of Scripture that we just read tells us to love one another fervently with a pure heart, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. In Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12, it's written that hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. When there's strife in the body, what does the scripture say? It's based in hatred, the opposite of love. If in fact we love Almighty God, and if in fact we love each other, we will not see that kind of strife that we see within what's called the body of Christ or the church. And it's unfortunate, but the reality is there. God's word is true. Everybody else can be a liar, but God is true. It's written, as I said, hatred stirs up strife, not love. Love covers all sins. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 23, it's written, and this is his commandment. Whose commandment? His, his, his commandment, that's God, right. This is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, 
his son, Jesus Christ, Yahashua, Messiah, you go into the, the language, into the Hebrew language, the Aramaic, his name would have been Yahashua, and Christ is Messiah, or anointed one, and love one another as he gave us commandments. This is his commandment. His. It's not mine. He says do this. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7, it's written, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And what's the opposite of that? If you don't love, you're not born of God. It's clear. His word is clear. Those who do not love do not know the power of love. They don't have it. Beloved, it's written in 1 John 4.11. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. They will know we are Christians by our love. By our love, yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. See, that's a truth. That's a basic truth of our faith. The world will know. But what also comes with that? The world knows if we are not loving, that we are not His. His Word says so. We demonstrate the power of love to the world by loving one another unselfishly. We don't stand in our own righteousness we stand in the righteousness of Christ, equal among all others. We don't exalt ourselves over others. We stand together, brothers and sisters, loving God supremely, loving one another as ourselves. The power of love cleared the way for the resurrection of the faithful. Do you know that? It was the power of love that did it. God so loved the world. Christ so loved the world. By Christ, Almighty God, paved the way for the faithful to be raised to new life, everlasting life. Christ is the first begotten of the dead. It's written in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. He's the first begotten of the dead. All of us come afterwards. By Christ, it's written in Isaiah 25 and verse 8, speaking of Christ, tells us the Lord of hosts swallowed up death forever. Death swallowed up forever. But then we hear in Revelation, wait a minute, there's this event that takes place whenever death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. You see, and that's the event. That's when there will be no more death. There'll be no more weeping. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more strife. In Matthew chapter 27, excuse me, we're going to go back to Isaiah 26, verse 19. The dead shall live. The earth shall cast out the dead. And do you know whenever Christ came back out of the grave, it's written, now I'll read to you from Matthew chapter 27, the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. This is a fact. 
People came out of the graves. And I remember when I first preached this message here in this building. I said, can you imagine if the faithful believers who were laying in that cemetery out there came up out of the graves and came in here and told you that they were here? And I had some people gasp. <gasps> it happened. People came out of the graves. And that's a picture. It's not the resurrection. There were people after that who went about saying, oh, the resurrection took place. No, I saw them myself. They came out of the graves. They were in town. They were talking to people. No, that wasn't the resurrection that's spoken of in the final resurrection. It's written in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For since by man came death, Adam, Adam, man, that's what Adam means, man, since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. And there we hear the humanity of Christ. The humanness of Christ. Coming in the likeness of men. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. The power of love cleared the way for the resurrection of the dead. We read in Luke chapter 20 that our Lord said, For He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to Him. And see, they were talking about uh, hearing uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were alive, okay? And they saw Elijah at one time. And he's alive. And our Lord said, He's not the God of the dead. See, because the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. That's how He silenced them. Not the God of the dead. The power of love is the power of eternal life in Christ. And all of us have access through the power of love to everlasting life. Now I'm going to recap the five points real quick here. I want you to remember these, okay? Because it matters. Our Lord gave the ultimate statement about the power of love. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. All of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. All scripture hangs on the power of love. Without love, you could just use this like a nice little fairy tale book. That's right. It'd be nothing without love. All of it hangs on love. Every bit of it. Christ is the embodiment of the power of love. He came here to do what He did. He didn't come here to live a human life and then just scoot out. He came here to do what He did. And that was to show us the way. The way. The truth. The life. He showed us self-sacrifice, folks. And most people don't want to hear that anymore. They don't want to give anything. He's, oh, no, you're preaching works, Pastor. No, I'm not. By faith, you have been saved through grace. By grace, you've been saved through faith. Excuse me. Christ in us is the power of love in us. Our ability to love God hangs on the power of love. It's the essence of the message of Christ who was brutally killed on the cross for us. We love Him because He first loved us. That's what's written. 1 John 4.19 
we don't have the capacity for love without His love. Our salvation enlivens the power of love within us. The power of love demonstrated by Christ in His sacrifice washed us from our sins. It's His sacrifice that did that. It's not our work. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. The power of love intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. The power of love made us alive together with Christ. The power of love enables us to overcome tribulation and distress. The power of love keeps us from persecution and famine and nakedness and peril and sword. It helps us to overcome them. It doesn't keep us from going through them. And all these things were more than conquerors through Him who loved us. It's not our love, it's His. But He enables us to love by His sacrifice. The power of love enables us to love one another. Our Lord commanded His followers to love one another. And Scripture instructs believers to serve one another through love. That's in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. And it teaches us that believers are taught by the love of God, by God to love one another. Believers are taught by God to love one another. We demonstrate the power of love by the world, excuse me, to the world, by loving others. Well, I'm stumbling over my words today, folks. I hope you all can love me through it. The power of love opened the door for the resurrection of the faithful, and Christ is the first begotten of the dead. By him the Lord of hosts swallowed up death forever, as it's written in Isaiah 25 and verse 8. And as I wrap this up, and I know it's early, but I hope my wife doesn't get mad at me. I want each of you to purpose in your heart to love God supremely. And I mean that, folks. We really need to get this, okay? When we're celebrating this thing called Valentine's Day, we need to remember that the ultimate love that we have in our lives comes from God. We need to love Him supremely. And we need to love one another as ourselves. There's no, there's nothing else in the faith of, of Christ that matters more than that. Yes, we're saved by grace through faith. Yes, God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that love comes into us. And we need to shed it. Not just hold on to it. Oh, that's mine. No, we need to put it out there. We need to give love back to God. We need to give love to our brothers and sisters. We need to give love to the world. And part of the way that we do that is by proclaiming the word of Almighty God. Just as I said earlier, if I don't share the word of God with you, I'm not loving you. The most loving thing I can do to you is say, look what God's word says. This is what God's word says. I want you to have the word of God. I want you to be strengthened in the power of his might. I want you to be his people who go into all the world and share the love of God. And who was that love but Christ himself? We share the love of God by sharing Christ. We draw others out of the darkness into his light. We offer them that everlasting life that only he can provide. If there's anybody here, really, seriously, folks, if there's anybody here that's not sure, or maybe you, you, you're, you're stepping away and you want to come back, I, I ask that you would come forward and we'll pray for you.
It's really important that you get the message of love. The true message of Christ is a message of love. God's love, Christ's love, our love. And we take that into the world. We do that to God's glory, not our own. I've got a couple more slides here, I think. And then we'll wrap it up. Maybe one more slide. No, I don't have any more slides. <laughs> oh, there is one more. He's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Amen. Glasses, huh? I'm having a tough time today. I don't know why. I think that there's a lot of spiritual warfare going on, folks, okay? The devil doesn't like that we're gathering in this building. The devil doesn't like that you all are getting fed the Word of God. The Lord Himself said He's going to send out a famine, but not a famine for food, but a famine for His Word. And there are only those who He allows to receive His Word that are going to receive it. And there's so many places that are void of the Word of God. I mentioned last week when, when we were bringing this idea of worship to the fullness. So we look at what God's Word says about worship. And there were millions in the country who were worshiping last week. But they weren't worshiping at the altar of God. Somebody sent me a, a, a thing about the, the halftime show, the big game. You know. Fully satanic. And so, where's our country? And we wonder why we have the leadership that we have. We deserve it. Not us individually, collectively. Because there's more people, you've got millions of people who would watch that and think nothing of it. And you've got some who would watch it and say, whoa! You know where that came from? Yeah. And we need to be people of love who point it out to other people. Somebody's bragging about the wonderful halftime show. You need to say, you know, that was satanic. You might get into a little bit of a, uh, a strife with them. But that strife doesn't come from God. God's word illuminates that strife. We need to be those who stand upon the word of God. With everything we have, folks. We need to be those who will, in fact, sacrifice our comfort to get the word of God out. That's right. As a teenager, I, I came to Christ. I knew as a child that I was going to work for God. Even a little bit of my testimony here. About five years old, I was talking to God. It was a thunderstorm. Some people might think I'm crazy, but I was five years old. And I said, well, God, if you're real, make the lightning flash. There was lightning. I said, okay, that's good. Now do it twice. All right, I was five years old. <coughs> Two flashes of lightning. I said, okay, God's real. And I, I was firm in my thought there. I absolutely knew that it was God. And I don't know what anybody else thinks. I usually don't share this because I know people will think that I'm nuts. But that's what happened. That's what, that's what he does. At nine years old, I thought I was going to be a priest in the Roman Catholic Church because that was the church that my family belonged to. I didn't do any of the stuff with the, you know, whatever they do, the little bells and all that kind of, I never did any of that. But I thought I was going to be a priest. Because I knew God had called me to work for him. 
And at 15, I met a street preacher. He took me aside with some other kids and he preached the gospel to us and he had to say a prayer and he said, now you're saved. Now we're going to start going to Bible studies. And we did. Every Bible study, every church service, any place we could find the word of God being proclaimed, we were there. And some of the places where, now this was in 1973, whenever guitar music was starting to really pick up, but it wasn't allowed up here in this part of the building. We had to be downstairs with that. But after all, it was guitar music. And we gathered together and we'd sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And I was on fire in my faith and I started preaching on the streets. And I got called every kind of name imaginable. But I never got harmed by anybody until I quit. And I quit because a Roman Catholic priest choked me for preaching the word on the Catholic steps to some kids that had called to me. And I ran from God. When I ran from God, I got hurt. I got hurt bad. And I'm not going to go into all that. That's another day. But I'll tell you this. I know who my Savior is. I know who my God is, okay? I know the power of love because it sustained me through those 20 years of me running from God. I know that God can empower each and every one of you to take His Word out into some little circle of it, wherever it is that you live, and you can share that power of love with those people that you really care about. And even some you don't. And there's lots of people that aren't nice out there, and they're liable to spit on you, and they're liable to jeer at you, and they're liable to make faces at you. But you know, the Lord has made, and His Word tells us, he told Ezekiel, he said, their, their foreheads are going to be hard, but I'm making yours harder. Amen. In other words, you're hard-headed, and I'm going to make you that way, okay? <laughs> so he made me hard-headed. I stand on the Word of God. I proclaim the Word of God. And each and every one of you are being filled with the Word of God. And I trust that you will take that and the power of love that resides within you by Christ Himself, and you will share it with others. Be not afraid of the way they look at you. Be not afraid of the things they say to you. Do it in love, in the power of love. Share that love with other people. And you will see that some people are just so hungry, they will sock it up like a sponge. And you can draw them into fellowship, here or anywhere else that you want. But get them fed on the Word of Almighty God. Get His Word in their hands. Because that's the power of love. That's where the, all of the prophets, all of the writings, everything that's there hangs on the power of love. It hangs on Christ. The power of God. And all of us can draw others into His presence simply by sharing. And you'd be surprised how many people are just waiting for somebody to introduce them to that love. Now let's go to God in prayer, shall we? Father, I thank you. Lord God, you know what's going on each and every day. You are in control. You have each of us in your hands. You've got the whole world in your hands. And so I ask, Lord, that you would guide all of us to go into all the world, to share the good news of the gospel, the power of love, that others could come into your kingdom by that power which you demonstrated. You sacrificed your son, the one we call Jesus. He gave his life for the atonement of our sins. Help us, Lord, to recognize that we too are called to give of ourselves. Our, our lives are our reasonable service. Help us to live them unto you, loving you completely and loving our neighbor as ourselves and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.